If you have your Bibles or your device this morning, I would ask that you open them up to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, that is where we're going to be this morning. John chapter 12. I want to encourage you on the last Sunday of the month, make plans to be here. We're going to be looking and speaking, or I'm going to be talking about walking victoriously in our relationship with the Lord in the year of 2020. Doesn't that sound strange just to say that? Uh, When I hear those words, 2020, it just seems like it shouldn't be really 2020, Uh, you know, but it is. It has arrived. And, you know, I am convinced that God has some great things in store for us this year. As a matter of fact, I would say this to you. Have you ever thought about the fact that God desires for you to be successful in your relationship with him? Now, sometimes we hear that word success, and if you're like me, my guard goes up right away. And the reason that is is because of the prosperity gospel. And when people hear that, the first thing they think is, oh, my goodness, the preacher is going to preach about how God wants us all to be rich, healthy, and wise. No, that's not what I'm going to preach about. But I will say this, from a spiritual standpoint, God's desire for all of our lives is to live in relationship with Him, to have a successful walk in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you, please come back on January the 4th Sunday, and we will be talking about that. So have you found your places in John chapter 12? John chapter 12 is where we are in our study on Sunday mornings. We have been walking verse by verse through the gospel of John, talking about what it means to truly believe in Jesus Christ. We've titled this series, Getting to Know Jesus, Believe and Live, because that is John's desire for his readers. John wanted his readers to understand who Jesus Christ was, and as a result of understanding who he was, that they would believe on him, that they would trust in him for salvation, and that they would experience life to the fullest. No matter where you are in your relationship with the Lord, that speaks to every one of us this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ today, I promise you that is God's desire for your life. He wants you to know Jesus in a personal way. He wants to have a relationship through Jesus Christ with him. That's his desire. If you already know Christ as your Lord and Savior, he wants us as followers of Christ to experience life to the fullest. He wants that. Jesus Christ came and he said those very words, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. So let me ask you a question this morning, believer. Are you experiencing life to the fullest in your walk with Jesus Christ? If you're not experiencing that today, you're missing out on something great, something that God wants to give all believers today, life more abundantly, life 
to the fullest. There is no joy in the world like walking in relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're experiencing that joy in your life, I don't need to say anything else to you. You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Amen? Don't you understand that? Well, this morning we are going to look at this great, wonderful story that is found in John chapter 12. As a matter of fact, I can't think of a better place to start the new year than this story. This story teaches us about real worship. Something that I believe most Christians are not experiencing in their life today. But I would tell you, it is God's desire for our life. And there is no story that makes that clearer than John chapter 12. It is no mistake that John chapter 12 begins with this story. It comes on the heels of John chapter 11, where Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. If you remember, at that time, there is a feast that was taking place in Jerusalem. This story takes place six days before the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus has returned to Bethany, and upon his return... There is a group of people that has given a meal in honor of him. They are gathered at the home of a man named Simon. He is referred to in scripture as the leper. Most likely he had been healed by Jesus Christ. In keeping with the custom of that day, Jesus and a group of men are reclining at a table. It is a table that is very low to the ground, and oftentimes when they enjoyed a meal, they would recline at the table as they enjoyed that meal, and it was a time of talking and sharing, and oftentimes Jesus Christ would use it as a time to teach spiritual truth. Also at this home is Martha, the sister of Lazarus. And you know what we find Martha doing? We find Martha serving. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Almost every time we're introduced to Martha in Scripture, we find her serving. Do you know where we find her sister Mary? We find her in the same place we always find her. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Can I share with you this morning that the most important place you can ever put yourself is at the feet of Jesus Christ. You remember in the story where Martha is serving and she's worried and anxious about many many things and she looks at Jesus and says to Jesus, Jesus, tell my sister Mary to help me. Do you know what Jesus says to her? Oh, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. Mary has chosen what is best. You see, sitting at the feet of Jesus is always the best place in life. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you enjoy a good sporting event? Do you enjoy something like that? 
You know, I do. And generally, this time of the year is the one time in the year that I sit down and I won't watch an entire football game. Most of the time through the year, I'm so busy, I don't have the opportunity to do that. But a couple of weeks ago, on a Saturday, I sat down and I enjoyed one of the bowl games. As I watched that bowl game and I watched the camera pan throughout the stadium, I noticed something very important. The first thing that I noticed was this. There were a lot of enthusiastic spectators in the stand. People wearing the colors of their team. People jumping up and down and shouting and hollering. Even one time I saw the wave go throughout. And then I noticed something else. Out of all of the spectators in the stands, there were only a few people on the field that were actually participating in the event. 22 people out of over 80,000 people were simply spectators watching 22 people play a game on a field. I was reminded after I watched that bowl game that football is truly a spectator sport. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah. As I spent time thinking about that event and as I began to read this passage of Scripture, I began to realize, I wonder if we've not allowed that mentality to enter into the church in our worship services. Where the people up here, we're the participators. And we're doing our very best to entertain you out here. You are the spectators. And you sit back and you enjoy the show. What do you think? Well, I will tell you this. The first thing you will notice in this story, when we read it, Mary was anything but a spectator. In this story, Mary was a participator. She gives us a glimpse of what it looks like to truly worship our Lord. I want you to follow along as I read this passage of Scripture. We're going to begin reading in verse 1, chapter 12 of the Gospel of John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his hair, I mean, wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume, but Judas Iscariot, 
one of his disciples who was about to betray him said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Have you ever noticed there is one lady that is prominent in the ministry of Jesus Christ in the New Testament that is never ever found at the tomb? Do you know what lady that is? Mary. Mary Magdalene is found there, but that's a totally different Mary. But this Mary never, ever goes to the tomb of Jesus Christ. Do you know why that is? Because she's already prepared Jesus Christ's body for burial through this tremendous act of worship. This morning from this passage of Scripture, I want to offer you three simple truths. Three truths that many of us are probably very familiar with. Three truths that will ensure that we are participators in worship and not spectators. Truth number one, real worship demonstrates our love for the Lord. Would you agree with me on that? I would say that is very true. If there is any truth that this passage of Scripture, this story teaches us this morning, it is this. We see very clearly through the actions of Mary that she demonstrated her love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it for a moment. Mary takes a very simple act She takes a bottle of perfume, that's what Nord was. She takes off the lid of that bottle and she anoints the body, the feet, and the head of Jesus Christ. And then she takes her hair and she uses her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus Christ. This indeed is a beautiful picture of worship. Through her actions, Mary demonstrates her love for Jesus Christ. We can't argue with that, right? I mean, think about what Mary has just done in this story. She has taken this very expensive bottle of perfume. She has poured it on the head of Jesus Christ. She has poured it on his feet. She has anointed him. She has wiped his feet with her hair all as an act of love toward Jesus Christ. True worship always demonstrates our love For the Lord. Now I want you to just stop and think about that truth for a moment. Now I want you to listen to it again. Real worship demonstrates our love for the Lord. If that is true, if it is true that real worship demonstrates our love for the Lord, 
in a practical sense, what does that mean to us? Let me see if I can answer that question this morning. First, it means, now get this, worship is not about me. Did you notice that in this passage of Scripture? Who is the focus of this passage of Scripture? It's surely not Mary, is it? Jesus Christ is the focus of this passage of Scripture. But what have we done in our churches in America? What we have done in our churches in America, we have made worship more about the person in the pew rather than the one who sits on the throne. We devise whole worship services around the people in the pews and the seats of the church rather than the one who sits on the throne. Isn't that true? Don't we see that over and over again? We ask questions like, what kind of music do the people in the congregation want to hear? What kind of instruments do they want to hear played this morning? How long do they want the worship service to last? And the list goes on and on and on, and the focus of worship is not on God, it's on me. And at any point in time, the focus of worship becomes me. It is no longer real scriptural worship. It is worship of an idol. Worship is never about me. I'm guilty of this at times in my own life. We get ourselves in real trouble when we devise a worship service around the wants of people rather than the character and the nature of God. Listen to me carefully this morning, folks. At any point in time, my wants enter into the equation of worship. It is no longer worship of the one true living God. At that moment in time, it becomes worship of self. The first thing that we learn is this. Worship is not about me. Second, we learn worship is all about the Lord. I mean, think about this story here. What was the focus of this story? Mary didn't focus on her own felt needs and the kind of music she wanted to hear in the worship service. What was her focus? Her focus was Jesus Christ. If true worship is expressing our love for God, then worship must always be about Him and never about us. In order to worship Him, we must truly know who He is. We can't worship someone we do not know. Everything God does is for His glory, and everything we do in response to Him must be for His glory. I mean, think about this verse of Scripture, and you judge for yourself. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and the 31st verse, Paul says this, Whatever you do, 
whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Now, you want to know what that word all means in the Greek? You know what it means. It means all. Even our worship services should be to glorify God. When we leave a worship service with the question, we should, I mean, when we leave the worship service, the question we should ask ourselves is this, did my worship glorify God? Were the songs based in the character of God? Did the message point to who He was? Did the worship service reflect the holiness of God? Now listen to this. This is very important. True worship is based in the character of God. We can't truly worship God for who He is if we don't know His character and His nature. And it is only as we worship Him for who He truly is that He is glorified. Do you see that? But oftentimes what I see people equating to worship in America today is some warm, fuzzy feeling that they get on Sunday morning. They hear a song. They get some chill bumps on their arm. They go out of a worship service feeling better about themselves. And the first thing they announce to the world is, I have worship. And they truly have worship that day. They have worshiped themselves is what they've done. They've not worshiped the one true living God. Because it's all about them. Now, please don't misunderstand me when I say this. I'm not saying that it's wrong for us to receive something out of worship. One of the great byproducts of worship is we do receive something from the Lord. But that is not the ultimate purpose of worship. The ultimate purpose of worship is to demonstrate our love to the Lord. And this story so reflects that truth through the, through the actions of Mary. So let's make some practical application for our lives this morning. Two questions that I would have you to ask of yourself today. First is this. If worship demonstrates my love for God... What does it say about my love for God when I pursue the things of the world more than I pursue God? When I choose worldly activities over corporate worship and personal worship in my life, what does that say about my affections towards God? Listen to me carefully. We can't separate our love from the actions of our life. The actions of our life simply speak where our love truly lies. We've all heard it expressed like this. Actions speak louder than words. Think about this for a moment. Mary never says a word in this passage of Scripture. Not one single word in this story. Let me say, ask you this question. Do you think her actions spoke loudly about where her love lied? Do you see what I'm saying? When we look at the story of Mary, we don't have to question where her love lies. Her action proves her love for Jesus Christ. Does it not? 
Don't you see that in this story? I love this story. It is such a great story, a powerful story. Real worship demonstrates our love for the Lord. Number two, real worship demonstrates humility before the Lord. Let me say that one more time. Real worship demonstrates humility before the Lord. This is so clearly seen in Mary's actions in this story. I want you to go back and I want you to listen to verse 3 again of this passage, this story. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now the amazing thing about this story here, it is majorly steeped in first century Jewish culture. And if we just give a cursory reading of this story, we'll miss the deeper truths that I'm convinced that God really wants us to find right here in Mary's actions. Now, I don't want you to miss what it is that is being communicated. I want you to get this picture in this story. Here is Jesus reclining at the table. As I shared with you earlier, this was the custom of that day and time. Men came around a short table and enjoyed a meal and had discussion. Mary breaks this bottle of perfume and begins to anoint the head and the feet of Jesus. In this passage, it just says feet, but this story is recorded for us also in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, and they record that she anointed his head as well. After she anointed his feet and head, she takes down her hair and begins to wipe his feet. I mean, this was a major cultural faux pas on the part of Mary. I mean, no woman, Jewish woman, in her right mind would ever let her hair down in public uncovered. That was something that was only reserved for her husband. What in the world is she thinking? She has lost her ever-loving mind. People at this table will think she is a woman of ill repute, but I would tell you this morning what Mary does here is amazing what she does here in the life of Jesus Christ. To place yourself at the feet of someone in the first century was to put yourself under that person's authority. Through her position before Jesus Christ, she has acknowledged that Jesus Christ has all authority over her life. She has loudly announced to everyone at that table, Jesus is indeed my Lord, is what she has said. Make no qualms about it. Don't make any mistake. I want you to know this man right here, this man is my Lord. Jesus Christ is what she's saying. She has placed herself in the right position to worship the Lord of Lords and the Kings of Kings. She has assumed a position of humility is what she has done by putting herself at the feet of Jesus. I like what one man said about humility. He said, 
Humility is understanding who God is and understanding who I am and understanding that I am not God. Isn't that a great definition? Well, think about it for a moment. Isn't that what we are acknowledging in our worship? Isn't it? Aren't we acknowledging, oh, sovereign God, you are God. You have the right to be Lord over my life. I am not worthy to be in your presence. I assume the position of humility before God. Worship without humility is not real worship. It's not real worship. Isn't this the picture we see of worship over and over again in the Word of God? Every time a person finds himself in the position of a holy God, they recognize who God is, and as a result of recognizing who God is, they see themselves for who they really are, and the only thing they can do is fall down before God and cry out, God have mercy on me. I mean, think about it for a moment. Go to Isaiah, the sixth chapter. How many of you remember that story? It is a beautiful picture of worship that is taking place there. Isaiah goes to the temple. It's in the year that King Uzziah dies. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. The seraphim are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know how Isaiah responds? Oh God, I am a man of unclean lips. I don't deserve to be in your presence. Do you see that? You see, real worship will always lead us to see who God is. And as we see who God is, we will recognize who we are, and it shows us a need for the forgiving hand of God upon our lives. The position of humility. True worship demonstrates humility. And when I humble myself before God, I can't help but see myself for who I truly am. And it's only as we see ourselves for who we truly are that we can cry out to a holy God and ask, God, please have mercy on me. Number three, real worship demonstrates sacrifice to the Lord. So think, and let's stop and think about this. Real worship demonstrates love to the Lord. Real worship, humble, I humble myself in the presence of God. Real worship demonstrates sacrifice to the Lord. Now I want you to go back and I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. Go back to verse 3 one more time and I want you to hear what it is that is said here. Mary therefore took... I'm sorry, Mary therefore took a pound, that's almost 12 ounces, a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nord and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold? for 300 denarii and given to the poor. One denarii was a single day's wage 
for a worker. One denarii. Mary has just used her entire salary for a year to anoint Jesus Christ's body. I want you to think about that for a moment. Think with me for a moment, men. Now, I know you all love your wives. You'd do anything you could for her, right? I would, and I would tell you what. I would take my year's salary and buy her a bottle of perfume. I would do that. I love her that much. And I would tell you, if she dumped it all on her at one time, I would think she has lost her ever-loving mind. What in the world is she doing? And my, my, my wife would say, oh my goodness, I've lost my mind. I just dumped all of this perfume on top of my head. That was a year sour. And that's exactly what Mary does in this story. Do you see this? Mary has sacrificed before the Lord. I would tell you this morning, if your worship costs you nothing, you've not truly worshiped the Lord. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, the preacher wants me to put more money in the offering plate. That's not what I'm talking about today. At the same time, I'm not saying that we shouldn't give to the Lord. Surely, giving should be a part of our worship, right? It's an expression of our love and trust in the Lord when we tithe unto Him. But that is not what I'm dealing with this morning. Not at all. That's not what this, the intent of this passage of Scripture is. The ideal of demonstrating sacrifice in worship goes well beyond opening your wallet or your purse and sticking money in an offering plate. I would say the ideal of sacrifice in worship is beautifully summarized in one verse of Scripture. I want you to listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Did you hear that? What is worship? Worship is me offering myself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. You don't want to know what that word sacrifice means? The word sacrifice means to give the very best of all that I have to the Lord. Do you want to know what's the very best that you have to give to the Lord? Paul answers the question. Your life is the very best you have to give to the Lord. Listen to the verse. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your life 
is the very best you can give to the Lord. I am convinced in most churches in America on any given Sunday very little worship truly takes place. And this is the reason why. In order to truly worship God I must recognize and acknowledge all that I am and all that I have belongs to Him. That is your spiritual worship. That's what God's Word says. We have not truly worshiped the Lord today if we do not offer our entire lives unto Him. True worship takes place when I offer my life unto the Lord as a living sacrifice. In closing, you want to know what the problem is with a living sacrifice? This is the problem. A living sacrifice is alive and not dead. You say, well, Brother Jeff, that's pretty obvious. It says offer yourself. But follow me. In the Old Testament, the priest killed the sacrifice and put it on the altar. You see? Here in the New Testament, Paul writes and says, this is your spiritual worship. Offer your life, your body, as a living sacrifice. Problem with a living sacrifice, it can crawl down off the altar. You see that? It can crawl down off the altar. When we don't walk in surrender and submission before the Lord, our lives are no longer on the altar of God. Let me ask you a question this morning, believer. Have you truly offered your life as a living sacrifice to the Lord? All that I am and all that I have, I give to you. Lord, here is my life. Do whatever you want to do with it. I am yours. I can't think of a better place to start in the year 2020 than offering ourselves completely unto the Lord. Would you agree with me on that? This morning is that opportunity to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love and the truth of your word and the way your truth speaks into our hearts and our lives. Lord God, you are awesome and great. We thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you this morning. True worship demonstrates love for you, demonstrates humility before you, 
and true worship demonstrates sacrifice to you. Father, this year I pray that we would offer our lives to you as a living sacrifice to be used of you in whatever manner you desire to use us. In Jesus' name, amen.